focus. Focus. The tide is coming in. But we've just begun our picnic. We aren't done with our game. Collect your beach blankets and playthings while you can. For the tide waits. For no man. Alright, welcome to episode number 13. This is your week 12 review, week 13 preview. This is Processing College Football, your favorite college football podcast designed to educate and entertain. I'm your host, Jason Randazza, and with me as always, Mark Catlin. Mark, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm uh, I'm in Boston this week. Uh, uh, went to a, went to a conference. Beantown, baby. And uh, so, yeah, I went to a conference basically for the past week. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my family is actually driving up here right now. And so we're getting the podcast in just before they get here. And then we're actually going to do Thanksgiving in Boston with friends. So nice i actually kind of hope your family gets there before we end the podcast because i'd like some of your son's hot (laughs) takes on uh the matchups this week (laughs) he'll give you a hot take i'm sure he will i'm sure he will he's uh, very knowledgeable um i I was actually going to say if you couldn't do it this week i'll just have him on um he he would he could process some things at the top of the show for me probably be the greatest time of his life (laughs) all right um, so again, I said this is a week 13 podcast. This is the last week of the regular season. Uh, my heart would be breaking more than it is, except that we still have just a ton of football left in the season. As always, if you have questions you want us to answer, topics you want us to discuss, or terms you want us to define, you can send them in. You can find us on Twitter at ProcessingCFB or email us at ProcessingCollegeFootball at gmail.com. So I don't have anything huge to process with you this week, but uh, one thing I did want to talk to you about, because again, we're recording on a Tuesday night before the rankings come out. I think they come out in about three hours or so. Um, So after week 12, who's in your top four plus two? Does anything change? You know, nothing changes for me. Uh, You know, it wasn't a, you know, huge lineup this past week and, uh, obviously, things will change, I think, this week, or at least have the potential to change. But nothing changes for me. Now, what that means is I have Miami number one. Yeah. Uh, basically, I have the undefeateds in the top three. Miami number one, Bama number two, Wisconsin number three, then OU, Oklahoma at four, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then uh, Clemson and Auburn after that. So um, that's that's kind of my top four plus two. Anything change for you? I don't really think so. So I had Alabama number one and Miami number two, and we can't read a whole lot from Alabama's performance. I don't know. I actually have to mention this later in the show too, but have we talked about 538.com and they have basically a simulation that you can run on what happens if a certain team wins their next game or loses their next game or if they win out. And then it'll calculate the percentage that that team and all of the other teams uh, that are vying for a playoff spot have of either making the playoff or winning the national title. So Yeah, yeah. It's a great little tool. Yeah. So it's, it's fun to play around with. So if you select an option that has a less than 025 
percent chance of happening is it pops up a little window and it says unlikely to happen try something else so i said what happens if alabama loses their next game which was mercer at the time and they're like nope unlikely to happen try something else so i don't know what we can say about alabama after that game not a whole lot um well in comparison to auburn's game against mercer we might be able to read a lot into this sure Uh, but that was it i'm I'm kidding okay not real I was, I was going to give you the benefit of the doubt there because of no. uh, Stidham's, well, improvement. But um, but something I think Miami, uh, and we'll talk more about the Miami-Virginia game in a, in a second here, but I think uh, <laughs> they... They kind of sputtered out of out of the gate there initially against Virginia. They did turn around. I mean, they won in somewhat dramatic fashion. But uh, I, I feel I felt a little bit better about having them at number two. So I, I don't think I would actually change anything in my my top four. Um, I mean, Clemson beat Citadel. Everybody pretty much beat who they were supposed to. Uh, or actually, everybody in the top six definitely beat who they were supposed to. We'll talk about the outliers yeah. within the top 25 in just a minute here. Uh, but that's all I have. So unless you have any other notes, let's get into reviewing some games. Let's do it. All right. First up, we have kind of the highlight matchup of the weekend, the Wisconsin-Michigan game. Final score on this one was 24-10 to wisconsin Basically, my thoughts on this game are that Wisconsin's defense looked pretty good. I read articles that said that it was a defensive slugfest. I'm not sure how good Michigan's defense looked. I think that the problem was more on Wisconsin's offense. Uh, Alex Hornibrook threw for like 9 of 19 and 143 yards. I I don't know. Um, And again, like... Michigan ha- lost their their starting quarterback here. Brandon Peters was carted off the field at some point, apparently suffering a concussion. The score at that time was fourteen to ten. Uh, Wisconsin. I mean, we can't speculate too much on how things would have played out if if Brandon Peters had stayed in the game. Um, but you know, subsequently, John O'Corn was like two for eight and nineteen yards. So. I don't know. I I have a lot of concerns about Wisconsin and basically anybody that they play from here on out. The Big Ten Championship, if they make it in the playoffs, I don't see any teams uh, below anyone they've played this entire season. And I I don't think that they did anything decisively in this game. Yeah, I mean, it's basically, you know, defensive football. Wisconsin and Michigan are both in both passing and rushing and scoring defense, or all three of those categories are at the top. And so this is the sort of game I think you would expect. Uh, Wisconsin beat the spread. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think – I don't know if Wisconsin came out and blew the doors off anybody and, and pressed with what they did. But at the same time, I'll just keep saying what, I, what I've been they saying. They did what they needed to do. They, they did what they, they were supposed, supposed to. to. Yeah, <laughs> uh, unlike, unlike other teams in college football. And so they should be rewarded for that. I actually had that in my notes. I had point number five. I know what you're going to say. Wisconsin did what they needed to do. Hey. Um, so. that's, what the, that's what the process is actually all about. Just do your job. They did right. job. Absolutely right. Next, we have Notre Dame playing against Navy. Notre Dame expected to win by 18. Final score was 24 to 17. Notre Dame playing from behind most of this game up until most of the way through the third when they tied it up and then in the fourth quarter got the game-winning touchdown. Now, can I just quickly, before we move on, read you some stats from this game? Yes, please. Because this this is funny to me. Um, 
Time of possession, woefully lopsided. Navy held the ball for 43 minutes of this game. Um, and Notre Dame was still trailing for most of it. Uh, so on the other hand, I guess you can like say that Navy wasn't really doing a whole lot when they did have the ball. So their quarterback, Zach Abbey, I think is his name, uh, passed for 41 yards on six attempts and three completions. Uh, one of his passes was a touchdown and one was an interception. I, I, I haven't seen a whole lot of games with numbers that low for passing. Is this typical of a triple option team? They really yes. never throw the yep. ball? Yeah, so it's they usually have very, very low passing numbers. So if you look at if you go look at Navy or Air Force or Army or Georgia Tech, they're passing if you look at their total offense, they're probably somewhere in the middle. But if you look at their passing offense, they're at the bottom. Rushing offense yards per game, that's the very top. Because the triple option is built to run the ball constantly. And so that's why the time of possession is also very high. Because you, you run the ball, you milk the clock, you never stop the clock by through incomplete passes, you're not doing a hurry-up offense, all that kind of stuff. Right. And so, I mean, their game plan going in was probably we want to hold the ball as long as possible. Now, it was, it's not too dissimilar from what Mississippi State did to Alabama, which mm-hmm. you know Mississippi, Mississippi State doesn't run the triple option. But – if you look at that time of possession, extremely lopsided in favor of Mississippi State. Why? Well, you slow the game down. You allow Alabama to have fewer possessions. You tire out their defense. And so that was a game plan going in. And for Mississippi State, it almost worked. For mm-hmm. Davy, it almost worked against yeah, really. a superior opponent. So, um, so yeah, I, I was a little surprised. I thought Notre Dame could come out and win that game pretty handily. But maybe maybe played a great game. Well, they did what they needed to do, Mark. So, uh, but still, I'm going to say it. I, I just, I don't think Notre Dame is all that good. Um, so I don't know what they're sitting at, like number seven now, but I don't yeah. know. But it's hard high. to make a case that, I mean, uh, but that's probably where they should be in terms of try, trying to make an argument for another team to be above them. Mm-hmm. You can't really do it because there's not really that many great sure. teams in college football this year. So not that many one lost teams under them. All right. So let's talk a little bit. I don't even really want to talk about this game that much. TCU playing Texas tech. They were expected to win by seven and a half. I think we both thought that line was a little bit uh, squeaky. TCU was without Kenny Hill, apparently in this matchup, which could go a little ways to explaining the spread, frankly. Although I think when I pulled that spread, that wasn't even known in the end. TCU won 27 to three. So, uh, they, they beat that line. Any thoughts? Was, I don't have a whole lot. It was kind of a weird game. I expected it to be a little higher scoring, but um, <coughs> yeah, TCU is a better football team, and there it is. They proved it. All right. Then Alabama played Mercer. There was no line on this one. Final score was 56-0 to Alabama. Uh, what What's to say, really? I, I, I was pleased to see that Alabama's uh, second and even third string players got uh, a number of reps in, and they kept... Uh, making things happen even later in the game. That's yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this later. I mean, uh, I think there's a lot of positives to take away from it. Um, the one negative is Mercer still ran for over 100 yards against us, and that shouldn't, that's just not something that should happen. Um, and so I think, yeah, uh, that's got to be something that's tightened up mm-hmm. with, a, with uh, a game against Auburn coming up. 
Definitely. All right. Next, we're I'm I'm begrudgingly going to talk about the UAB Florida game. Vegas had the line at ten and a half. Florida. The final score was thirty six to seven. This was deeply tragic. So Spencer Brown couldn't run. Uh, we were just shut down, frankly. Uh, it was fun to imagine that UAB was going to be competitive with a team like Florida, uh, with their level of recruiting. But they almost honestly made it look like they were playing a completely different game. Uh, I'm going to say it's all because it was in the swamp, and that's a notoriously difficult place to play, and still think to myself that on a neutral field, UAB would have won like 8,000 to 2. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Yeah. All right. I mean, a swamp is not a good place for a dragon to play. So No, you're right. So. Thank, yeah, absolutely. All right, then Auburn played Louisiana Monroe. Auburn expected to win by 36 and a half. They did not win by that much. They won by 28. The final score was 42 to 14 Auburn. But man, so the UAB game was on the SEC network, and so of course the commentators on the SEC network just love to t- talk about other SEC games. But the commentators in the evening games, they could not let this one go. I think they were just desperate for maybe more excitement on Saturday than there actually was. They kept talking about how Auburn struggled in this game, and it may have been true for about a quarter, maybe a quarter and a half, but the final score was 42-14. to 14. I'm just not sure I would say that they struggled all that much. I mean... I think they're just trying to balance out the Auburn's the talk from the week previous, which was Auburn's the greatest thing that's ever happened to college <laughs> sure, football. Sure. So they're like, oh, let's bring it back a little bit. Man, they really struggled against Louisiana Monroe. That's true. Um, Louisiana so, Monroe put up more points than Georgia did. So yeah, well, I, and I do think they probably weren't saying, you know, it was close for a little bit longer than one would expect. But I think they probably were saying, in comparison to what they did to Georgia, yeah. What they're doing to losing Monroe, what's what's happening, you know? So yeah. I think it's more of a comparison to the, you know, just having to have like a perfect game against Georgia. Sure. Then you play Louisiana Monroe, you don't look that great. So yeah. All right. And then we had West Virginia playing against Texas. West Virginia expected to win that game. They lost it, twenty-eight to fourteen. Uh, I don't have any notes on this game. Uh, anything you want to say? No. No. Moving on. Georgia played Kentucky. Georgia expected to win by three touchdowns. 42-13 to 13 was the final. Georgia winning. Kentucky might have gone into this game 7-3, and three, but they're still Kentucky. So Georgia reminded them of that fact. I mean, I think, you know, the thing about this game is that it can be tough to bounce back from a game like a loss to Auburn, but uh, they came back and... They handled their business, so it was pretty impressive. And that and Kentucky's not a terrible team. They're not the normal Kentucky, and they're still going to no, lose. But they're not as terrible as they normally are, so that's a good win for Georgia. Yeah, congrats, Bulldogs. We'll see you in a couple weeks, or yeah, next weekend, I guess. Uh, so then I don't even know if we previewed this game, but I want to talk about it a little bit. Miami-Virginia. I don't know what the line on this game was, but the final score was 44-28 to 28, Miami. Holy crap. So, honestly, this was a really exciting, like, three quarters of a football game. So, Virginia comes out really fiercely. They're up 14-0 right towards the end of the first quarter, and then Miami with a touchdown with about 14 seconds left or something. Um, so at the end of the first quarter, it's 14-7 Virginia. Uh, then 
I think, muffs a punt, which Miami recovers and really capitalizes on because of the very next play they throw for uh, deep downfield for a touchdown and tying things up 14-14. to So you think, okay, Miami's coming back. They they gave up this this lead for a little bit, but, you know, they, they've turned things on. It's, it's over for Virginia. Um, Virginia's going to go back to being the type of team we expect them to be. But then... Uh, right before halftime, Virginia, with another beautiful pass, gets another touchdown, 21-14 going into the half. And then one of the first plays after uh, we come back from uh, the the half, Virginia blocks a punt from Miami. And on that drive, they score another touchdown to regain a 14-point lead. And then it's truthfully all over. At this point, Miami does turn it on. And they throw uh, they, they throw down like 30 unanswered points in the rest of the game, including one pick six. Uh, but I do want to give some credit to Virginia because it was exciting and and they did do really well. Uh, their quarterback deserves a lot of praise. I thought I, I don't remember what his name was, but he threw for like 387 yards and all four of their touchdowns. So good job to him. Yeah, I think I mean <clears throat> it was a little more extreme in the Miami case, but we saw this in a lot of games. Uh, Auburn coming out slow against Louisiana Monroe, Georgia coming out slow against Kentucky. Although those ended up being big wins, like it was yeah. seven six for a while there with Georgia Kentucky, uh, and so you saw some teams come out a little bit slow after big games. Right. So last week was big games. This week is kind of I'm playing an inferior opponent, so you come out slow. But you know we were texting a little bit during, but you know everybody ended up finishing strong. Because this that last week was like a classic trap game week, right? Big big game before rivalry week after, and it's like, okay, do I really want to show up and play this as hard as I can after a huge game last week and a big game next week? And so you just had, like you just saw a lot of teams come out slow, which was to be expected, I think. Yeah, we were texting because we were really eager to see just a ton of upsets, and then yeah, most of them ended up reversing themselves. One of the teams that did fall into a trap, however, was Oklahoma State playing against Kansas State. They were supposed to win by almost 20 points. Final score was 45-40, to 40, Kansas State. This was totally out yeah. of hand. Kansas State was up 42-20 to 20 going into the fourth quarter. Uh, they were, like, doubtful for a bowl before this game because I think they play Oklahoma State and then Iowa State next week. Um, but because of this win, they're going bowling. So uh, it was, it was, it was kind of, um, kind of. It was a really good win for them. Kind of sad for Oklahoma State. Uh, you know who Kansas State lost to this year? Uh, Vanderbilt. Vandy. So there's some salt for your wound, Oklahoma State. Don't worry, Oklahoma State. They also <laughs> lost to Vandy. <laughs> There's some solace. Yeah, I mean, no, they. Uh, it's embarrassing. I mean, I don't know. It's just embarrassing. So, but I mean, so they were still in the Big Twelve title hunt. They hosted Oklahoma in in the Bedlam game and just got you know, I don't know. They they got outplayed. Mm-hmm. At the end, even though they had a couple of opportunities at the end to win it and drive down and whatever. But, uh, yeah, I think it's just hard to come back from something like that. You're no longer really in the Big 12 title hunt. Mm-hmm. You're playing Kansas State. Don't expect them to be much. To get back up for that game is just hard. So when they, they try to surge back at the end, but they just didn't have enough. Um, and, you know, because Kansas State is the, the mighty Wildcats. You know what I thought was kind of incredible in this game is that Oklahoma State, so the quarterback, Mason Rudolph, 
he threw the ball 53 times. That's yeah. nuts. Uh, yeah. And and uh, he passed for 425 yards, it says, and still didn't win the game. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he did a very similar thing against Oklahoma and still lost because his defense, defense sucks. Yeah. All right. Uh, final game we're going to review again. I don't think we previewed it because we didn't think we had to. Mississippi State playing against Arkansas. <laughs> Final score here was 28-21 Mississippi State. So they did pull out the win, but they nearly lose to Arkansas. And really, it almost devalued Alabama's biggest win of the season in the process. I I started to wonder that if Arkansas had won, would the negative impact made on on the perception of Alabama have been enough for Brett Bellamy to keep his job? (laughs) <laughs> he can't win directly against Alabama, but this this would have been a nice touch. He gets a transitive win. Yeah. Uh yeah, no, he's he's gone. Um but uh yeah, I mean this I mean this is another one of those games, right? So Mississippi State has a big game against Alabama, they lose it, they come back out, they play in Arkansas, it just sucks. Mm-hmm. And you just come out slow, but yeah, at the end of the day you do what you need to do to win. So again, this week was like trap game central. Uh, one one team got actually caught. Another uh, others came pretty close, but I'm definitely glad they pulled it out because yeah, that just would have been terrible. It would have been really depressing. So that's all the games we want to review. We got a big week of previews for Week 13. Are you ready? Absolutely. It's gonna be a whole day of team sports and beer. Get the old heart rate up. Maybe pound a cheeseburger in the sun. Throw some butter on it. You're going to love it. All right. So, week 13 preview. First game we're going to talk about, and we're probably going to spend pretty much almost the entire rest of the show talking about this game. It is the Iron Bowl. The Alabama-Auburn game. Alabama currently favored by around four, four and a half points, depending on where you look. This is a 3.30 p.m. game. You can catch it on CBS. You know, I, I have to say, throughout most of the year, since I live in New York, I have to go to places to find information about, about college football. Uh, it doesn't invade my uh, my daily life. Uh, but this matchup, you, you almost can't avoid it. So 5.38, and I talked about it earlier, uh, they have an article currently that they just put up tonight titled, This Could Be the Biggest Alabama-Auburn Matchup Ever. And and that's like, it's, that, it's like a stats site. It's not really prone to that level of hyperbole most of the time. Um, I, I guess, so my thoughts here are, I think Alabama has a lot to figure out still with its linebacking core. Is that the right phrase? The linebacking core? Yeah, well um, done. And I, I feel like they're just getting started still on figuring things out there. For Auburn's part, I think they started the year with a few sputters, but they're much further along figuring out how all their pieces fit together. Carryon Johnson looks really good. Uh, Stidham is doing much better than he was at the beginning of the season, completing in excess of 65% of his passes the last four games and passing for, I think, over 200 yards uh, each time. In the end, I, I don't think that Auburn is a better team. I do have a lot of concerns about Alabama's defense still. I really, I think, have come to trust, uh, especially after that Mississippi State game, Jalen Hurts' ability to make things happen. But then again, another <laughs> another counterpoint is Auburn has some pretty solid uh, pass rushing. Um, 
and, and Jeff Holland. So I, I don't know. It, it, I'm nervous about this game, but my final score is 28-24 Alabama. Yeah, I <clears throat> I feel like I'm supposed to be nervous about this game, and I'm not. I love that. All right. Convince me. Well, I, I don't know that there's much to convince you with, but, you know, to me it's um, – yeah, I mean the, the factors for me are ultimately – like, so forget the score for a second, just two wins. To me, Jalen Hurts has shown me enough over now almost two full years of work that if – the game is in his hands, then he's going to make a play. When uh-huh. a play needs to be made, he's going to make it. And if you think about uh, the one game that Alabama's lost with him as a starter against Clemson, he made the play at the end of the game, then his defense let him down, and there was no there was no time to come back. But mm-hmm. when it came, when it was on the biggest stage, and it was time to, to make a play to try to win the game for your team, as long as it was in his hands, then he made it. And he did it again against Mississippi State. Uh, our defense wasn't playing well. They were getting shredded in the run game and needed to come from behind and win. And he made the plays that were necessary to, to do that. And so, and the thing is, you know, against Clemson, he made it with his feet. Uh, against Mississippi State, he was thrown with his arm. And mm-hmm. so, I think he's developed enough as a passer where we don't have to rely on the run game so heavily. And mm-hmm. People are going to stack the box against Alabama, uh, stop the run, stop Damian Harris, Bo Scarborough, Joshua Jacobs, Najee Harris, and Jalen Hurts from running. And I think that's that's opening up some stuff for Jalen, as well as my concern at the beginning of the year, the few, first few games, is he wasn't able to go through his progressions like he should. Mm-hmm. The last few games, though, he's really had a much better pocket presence where he stood there, and you can see him going through his progressions like he should. And he finds the open guy. Um, obviously, Calvin Ridley has been a huge part of that. Um, so that's what I'm I, actually wondering about: is if if they stop all of those players uh, from making a play on the run, do we have enough besides Calvin Ridley to to do something for there? I think so, and I think what you've seen is you know, Calvin Ridley has been a, been a huge thing, and I think uh, Jalen and Calvin have, have gotten kind of in sync with one another. Uh, and the the other thing, though, that you see is Jalen Hurts is spreading the ball around a little bit more in terms of he's getting it to tight ends, Hinchis and Irv Smith Jr. He, against Mercer at least, I mean, one of his uh, passes that was almost a touchdown was to Josh Jacobs, but Josh Jacobs was running downfield. Like it was, Josh Jacobs was a running back. It wasn't out in the flats it wasn't a screen pass to him he ran like a wide receiver type route and i think what you're seeing is brian dable starting to open the playbook a little bit because jalen's making his progressions better Uh and so i think what you're going to see is alabama's offense is going to do a pretty good job against auburn's defense um i think there's some stuff we haven't seen because alabama hasn't had to pull it out (laughs) i think there's going to be some stuff that'll confuse auburn's defense and there's some plays that we have ready where our offense is going to look better than it has. Now, Auburn's defense is still stellar. Yeah, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll be, we'll have three and outs. We'll do things like that. But I think we'll protect the ball. Um, and I think the other thing, well, so anyway, all that to say, all that really, for me, comes from Jalen Hurts. has shown that he has the clutch gene. 
when it's time to make a play, he, he makes it. He, he doesn't get nervous. He doesn't get wild with his passes. It seems like his passes get more accurate. He gets crisper. He gets focused. Uh, he knows when to run, when not to run, all that stuff. So, And then the offense can develop around that. So I think Jalen is a huge factor just winning the game. The other factor I think that'll make it to where I think Alabama's not going to only win the game, but I think they'll win it by a pretty substantial margin mm-hmm. is, dude, all, <laughs> just listen to people talk crap about Auburn now being favored because they beat Georgia so badly mm-hmm. and Alabama's defense and people talk crap about Alabama's defense for the past several weeks mm-hmm. and and I think that's going to be playing in the locker room over and over and over again I think they're going to take that to heart and this team has shown when you talk crap about them they're like okay sure. well that's fine let's go on field and let's show them and so I, I mean I think they're going to come out really really motivated um, I think they're I think the offense is actually executing better in a more balanced way than it has since the beginning of the season. And I think our defense will be really motivated to play hard. And um, I think Minka will be healthier than he has Gosh, been. I and, I, so. and I think that'll be that'll make a huge difference on the defensive end to have them in coverage and also to have him calling out plays. And Dylan Moses now has a little bit of experience under his belt at the linebacking position he's a true freshman you know we tried to throw in the veteran keith holcomb there but he just wasn't he's just not as big and fast and strong as dylan moses is um and now that we've gotten dylan a little experience he made a start against mercer mm-hmm. hopefully that'll calm him down and they'll play a little bit but anyway i think um I, i'm going with Jalen uh, to get the victory mm-hmm. and uh, on the other side sorry there's one more point on that if you look then at auburn on that side, when it's been they've been down or had to come back and win or in a close game, they haven't been able to do it. And sure. may, that may have been earlier in the season, but they couldn't score more than seven points against or six points, whatever it was, against Clemson. And when they had a twenty point lead against <laughs> LSU, lead, yeah. they they couldn't hold on to it, right? I mean, yeah. and and look, LSU got better, but that's not like so far back in the season that that's not the same Auburn team. They're not like this completely different Auburn team from the LSU game. They showed that they could go out and, you know, put up a 20 point lead on LSU. And they also showed that they didn't have the resolve to hold that lead. And when they needed to just score one more score, uh, to send it to overtime or win, uh, they didn't do it. And that's where I think a guy like Jalen hurts would have made the play to, to have that, that other score. And so, I, I mean, so if you combine, if you look at, especially in close games or tough games, unless Auburn goes up, you know, thirty or something, um, I just don't see Auburn winning the game. If it's a close game, I think Alabama's going to pull it out. So I think the Jalen factor gives Alabama the edge. I think our offense developing mm-hmm. gives us the edge. I think our defense. People talk. People don't talk crap about Alabama's defense, but they have been the past few weeks, and I think they're going to be very motivated by that. They're going to be very focused uh, against Auburn. Um, it's for the SEC West. It's a rivalry game, uh-huh. so the stakes are high. The, it's a rivalry game. And, you know, it's your you're, you're playing against your little brother. You want to win. So I think there's going to be a motivation level there for Alabama that hasn't been there in a very long time. Maybe since that Florida State game, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as what sort of team you're playing, what the stakes are, the national stage, etc. Um, 
So, I mean, I anticipate that Alabama's going to come out. It'll be higher scoring. We'll, our defense will give up yards. Our defense will give up some points. But I think our offense is going to outscore them. Uh, and eventually our defense will settle in with a comfortable lead and, and shut them down. So my score prediction, having mm-hmm. said all that, is uh, I think Alabama's going to win 38-17. to 17. Okay. I I like that. I hope that's the case. I do have a few questions. Sure. Um, so you talk about Jalen Hurts getting time to go through his progressions. What is a yeah. progression? So progression means like um, so if, when you have a pass play, right? You mm-hmm. have you have a few options to, to where you're going to throw the ball, and so every play is designed to have a first read. And okay. so you're looking at one wide receiver first, and that's supposed to be the play is designed for that guy to get the ball. That's like okay. your best option. But then there's other receivers, and so you go, okay, that's not open. Is my second guy open? So the play is designed for you to go through. Your second guy, he's not open. Is my third guy open? And then if that's not open, you either throw the ball away, or if you're hurts and there's uh, an opportunity to run, then you run. Um, and so earlier in the season, he would make he would go see his first guy's not open, and then he would either run before he should have, or he would have to throw the ball away, or he'd sit uh-huh. in the pocket too long and get sacked. But I think what we've seen over the past few weeks is he's actually making his progressions. And he's making wiser decisions as to when to run and when not to. Um, so, But he's not like, okay, my first guy's gone. Okay, now I'm going to try to bail out of the pocket. He's going through his progressions one receiver at a, t- at a time. And when he needs to check down, meaning none of my guys downfield are open, but I've got a, <coughs> I've got a running back right over here that I can throw when we get five yards out of it, well, then he'll check down and throw the ball. Or if he sees space, he'll run. So he's just reading the defenses better and being able to go through, okay, who's here's who, here, here's who I'm supposed to throw to first, second, third. Those guys aren't open. Now I can make the right decision. So I think he's really progressed in that way in this offense. And as a result, I think you've seen Brian Dayball open up the playbook a little bit to where they're, you know, the touchdown again, the winning touchdown against Mississippi State wasn't to Calvin Ridley, it was the true freshman Devontae Smith. That's true. Yep. Um, and so, and you've seen the tight end start to get some touchdowns. Like I said, the pass downfield to a running back, and you can't do that sort of thing unless Jalen's seeing the field a lot better. Um, and so, anyway, I, I think that element is going to be pretty big. And I think they'll open up the playbook a little bit and find some holes in Auburn's defense. So, the question I then have to that is when you consider the offensive line of Alabama against the the linebacking core of Auburn, those those two things match up against each other, right? Who? The, the offensive line and the linebacking core? Yeah, am I right? Uh, I mean, the direct matchup is offensive and defensive line. Okay, so um, let's, let's talk about the offensive and defensive line. If you said who has the advantage in that matchup, which would you say? Auburn defensive line, for sure. Okay. So here's what I'm wondering is, is that, is, will this be the first time all season that that's the case? Um, I think Florida State, okay. you could have said they, they had the advantage there. Mm-hmm. 
maybe LSU as well. So I guess what I'm concerned about here is that does the offensive line give Jalen Hurts enough time uh, to to go yeah. through his progressions? So yeah, so uh, I think what you'll see is so like one thing that and you may not know what this play is, but are you familiar with the jet sweep? Uh, I've heard it before. We should process it sometime. So so when you see like before the snap, like right uh, now, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. So. So here's our processing segment. Um, when you see a wide receiver before the ball snap, he's coming across the formation and he's running between the the center and the the quarterback. And then right before he gets to the quarterback, the ball snapped, and then Jalen will kind of like toss it to him as he's running by. You know what I'm talking about? And then the wide receiver will take the ball and run around like to the other side. Uh-huh. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I think so. <clears throat> so that's a jet sweep, but. One thing it's designed to do is, you know, you pass it to him. And so he's got the ball full speed when the ball snapped and he can try to make the corner. Well, it kind of slows down the the immediate kind of launch and penetration of the defensive line. And then from that, you can fake it. And so, but they have to be paused a little bit. And so it can slow down a pass rush. You can also throw screens um, and things like that. There are plays that you can run that will slow down a pass rush because it makes them makes the defensive line and linebackers just take a second to think. Okay. Uh, another thing, um, I Do, mean, the, does Nick the Saban best, know that? <laughs> Nick Saban knows a lot more than I do. Now, <laughs> it, it may it may not be the jet sweep. My main point is uh, the reason I bring up the jet sweep was we did run it at least once against Mercer and Robert Foster, who doesn't normally get the ball, but is a He's a big and really fast wide receiver. Got it and just and took off. And so I'm just wondering, just you know, is that is that a play that we are looking to use a little mm. bit more against a against a defense that maybe we're overmatched in on the defensive line and the offensive line? So anyway, I thought it was interesting because we haven't really run it that much. Um, and so I think what you'll see, you'll see some quick throws like screens. You'll see some slants. Mm-hmm. You'll see jet sweeps. But really, the easiest way to slow down a pass rush is just to establish the run game. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, what I hope that you see is maybe you see some of those things, but there's a slow developing place. I hope you just see Damian Harris, Bo Scarborough, Joshua Jacobs just hand the ball up the middle and freaking pound those guys. Because one thing we haven't done really all season in my opinion, is just wear down a defense. And I think that we can. We got we have four solid running backs. And by solid I mean both they're good at their position, but they're also just huge. Yeah. And so just rotate those four guys in and out. Um and let them pound away at the defense a little bit uh to slow down that pass rush. And then that opens up the play action pass, which we've discussed. You know, you fake the hand off and then you drop back. That can slow down the pass rush, but so anyway, and even if we can't do that, if the running game's not there and their defensive line is just you know blowing up our offensive line, there are other ways to do it. And the other thing is uh, with with Jalen being able to run, I think you'll see some more designed quarterback runs than we have had in the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. If the pass rush is there, there's other things you can do. Like I think we ought to if the pocket just keeps collapsing and mm-hmm. he can't stand there, then. And the snap, roll him out to the side so that he's got half the field to look at. And if the, his throw isn't there, then he can take off and get a few yards. So there's just some things that we can do to slow that down, and I think we will. Um, so, I, 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I do feel more confident than uh, I did coming into this little preview, so I appreciate that. Good. I do have to pause here and um, change course, although really sa- still on the same topic. For all those listening out there, um, if you are talking to a friend of yours who happens to be a fan of the opposing team in this particular rivalry, please do not shoot them. Okay, like this is this is like serious. You and I were talking about it. It is absurd. Uh, I don't think any any of our our audience would be the the type that would do that. But again, both of these teams are elite teams. They both have a lot to brag about. Uh, It it doesn't need to come to that. So yeah, two friends arguing about who's better, Auburn, Alabama, and Alabama fan shoots the Auburn guy in the leg and drives off. It's like, dude, you are. It's it's just, like this is fun. It's like semi important, but it's yeah. really not. It's not that important. No, that's no. a that's a good little uh, you know. That's a PSA. Public, public, public service announcement. Yeah. There, yeah. yeah. All right, moving on. We have another big rivalry. This is rivalry week, as I understand it. This is Ohio State playing against Michigan. Ohio State favored by eleven and a half points. This is a noon game on Fox. I have Ohio State beating that line thirty-five to twenty. Yeah, I think uh, Michigan's just not very good. No, we've been saying that all year, and yet uh, I don't know. I just—I well, I mean, I'm going like, to go to Ohio State forty-two to ten. Okay, I, I I could totally get on board with that. I I totally believe it. Next up, we have Notre Dame playing against Stanford. Notre Dame, a two-point favorite, eight p.m. On ABC, so I know I said earlier that Notre Dame's not that good. I don't think Stanford's that good either, though. So they're not. But hello, the Cardinal baby, back twelve. <laughs> All right, I I have Notre Dame winning this game though over Stanford, twenty four to fourteen. Dude, I got the Cardinal painting the town red, winning by one, twenty four to twenty three. Okay. All right, next up, Washington State is playing Washington. Is this the Apple Cup? Is that what this is called? Oh, yeah. And at one time, I mean, earlier in the season, this looked like one of the games to watch, yeah. and now it just doesn't matter anymore. Although Washington's finally getting that earlier game that they won. <laughs> <So. laughs> it's 8 p.m. on Fox. Uh, Washington nice. uh, expected to win by 9. I have the final score at 42-34, Washington. So I don't think they cover. Yeah, I, I think they will cover 42-28. Okay. All right, Tubular. Moving on, uh, Is it, what is this game called? Clemson, South Carolina? This is a battle know, for like South Carolina? The, pa- the, pa- the Palmetto Bowl? I have no idea. I don't know what it's called. That would be a good one. It should be. If it's not, it should be. I agree. All right, so uh, South Carolina is two touchdown dogs here. 7.30 p.m. on ESPN if you want to watch this game. <laughs> I think that's giving South Carolina a lot of credit, frankly. 28-12 is what I have this final score being. You know, I just looked it up. I think it is called the Palmetto Bowl. You're welcome. Oh, nice. Probably um, they, they heard this live. And they're like, <laughs> quick, rename it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, the Mighty Gamecocks, they're they are big fans of the Palmetto Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they come out and they uh, only lose by 13. 
Sure. <laughs> they lose 27-14. Okay. Nice. Georgia's playing Georgia Tech in the Georgia Bowl. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the Peachtree peach Bowl or something else. Is that right? All right. No, it's not. All right. Georgia uh, favored by 11. This is a noon game on ABC. So I, I know they always say that with these rivalry games, uh, you kind of have to ignore recent history because anything can happen. But I think this is a blowout. I think Georgia's just ready to to rock this one. 41-15 is what I have the score at. Yeah, I, I don't think this is going to be a very good game. Georgia Tech, I mean, they lost to Tennessee. Let's be real. Yeah. They also just lost to Duke pretty badly. So, yeah, I don't think Georgia Tech's uh, as good as they normally are running that triple option. Um, Georgia, I think, is needs to make some statements and before they get to the CC championship game, if they're going to keep in the playoff hunt. And so, yeah, I think this. I'm, I'm going to go a, a 41-7 Georgia. Okay. All right. Nice. All right. And then these last four games, we'll just say whether or not we think that they're going to beat the spread because the spread, well, one of them, it's very close. Oklahoma is playing West Virginia. The spread is 22 and a half. Oklahoma's favor. I don't, I don't think Oklahoma covers that. I I said West Virginia. Yeah. West Virginia will come out and play a good game. I think. All right. If you want to watch that game, it's 345 on ESPN. Next, we have Miami playing Pitt. Uh, again, Pitt is two touchdown underdogs here. Noon game on ABC. I don't know. I think Miami covers it. These last few weeks, they've been really impressive. I don't really think this is even a rivalry game. Maybe it is. I, I have no idea. Uh, the Pitt-West Virginia is a rivalry game. Um, okay. The backyard brawl. Um, that's what they call it. Uh, yeah, Miami covers big. Okay. UAB is playing uh, <laughs> UTEP. So UTEP, when I was going to UAB, I actually had no idea what that stood for. I have since learned <laughs> that it stands for the University of Texas El Paso. But at, yes. the, at the time, I was like, I don't know. Does it stand for... The University of Tennessee Eastern part. Um, wow. Apparently, it does not. It does not Jason, you've you've learned so much. <laughs> I, I also, you just said that on the podcast. That's I said great. what? You just said that on the podcast. Oh, yeah. like, for everybody to hear. Everybody yeah, now knows yeah. that. So, Millions of people now know that. But, but, uh, yeah, the eastern part of Tennessee uh, has a university, and they are. Uh, expected to lose to UAB by 20 and a half points. So this is a this is a 1 p.m. game on Conference USA. If you're fortunate enough to have that uh, that premier channel, which I am not, I think UAB covers this spread. Though they're gonna they're gonna end the last game of the regular season uh, in super dramatic fashion. Well, yeah, I think they win big. They make a statement to the playoff committee, and you know, make a run to. To get in the playoffs, yeah. Sure. I mean, it's almost expected. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's definitely going to be a two-loss team. I mean, what's the difference between a two and a four-loss team? I don't know. uh, I've been saying it for years. Yep. All right. Finally, I do want to talk about Florida FSU. So two perennial powerhouse teams who are having just terrible down seasons this year. I think Florida is already 
out of bowl eligibility. They also have an interim coach there. Uh, FSU is playing still to make it to a bowl with the rescheduled Louisiana Monroe game, which I'm not even sure when they're playing. Next week, I guess. FSU is expected to win by five points. This is a noon game on ESPN. I, I don't think they cover. I just don't. I, I wish I could say that they, they would. I am cheering for them to cover. I say they win by a touchdown. Okay. All right. Go Knowles. We need, we need, we need the Knowles to finish strong. I would appreciate it if the Knowles could do me a favor and humiliate Florida. I mean, in some ways that makes UAB look worse, but I just, I don't know. I'm sure they're riding high from that that UAB win, so knock them down. Uh, yeah. All right, that's all the games I have to preview. I guess there are a few things that I wouldn't mind talking about if you have a couple minutes to spend with me here. Well, did we talk about the Ole Miss-Mississippi State game? We we didn't actually. That's that's a, another matchup. Let's talk about that one. What do you well, think? What, 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 th- what's I, the line? Do we know? The line the line is sixteen. Uh, Mississippi State. Okay. There's no way Mississippi State covers it. You don't think so? No. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss. The Egg is, Bowl. It's called the Egg Bowl, by which, the way. Which is really stupid. Why is it called that? Do we know? Uh, no, I don't know. Because it rots and smells terrible. <laughs> where, where is it being played this year? The Grove, is that what it's called? Uh, I don't know. The Grove, by the way, is not an intimidating place to play. I hear it's really fun to go to, though. It, it is on my probably my top ten list of, of places to go watch a college football game. So, yeah, I think I think it's the it's known for its tailgating, not its hostile atmosphere. Yeah, right, right. So I am going to say that Mississippi State does cover that line, though, just to be wow. disagreeable, which is yeah. my defining feature as a person. Yeah, um, for sure. So let's let's talk about a couple other things. First okay. Of all, first of all, one thing I didn't mention when we talked about the humiliating Mississippi State Arkansas game. Did you see that last play that Arkansas did? No. Was it embarrassing, I hope? It, it was totally embarrassing. Okay, so there's 14 seconds left on the clock. Arkansas is, I, I'm, if I remember correctly, somewhere around uh, their own, like, 30-yard line. So they're, they're pretty far downfield. They have to do something big, but they have 14 seconds on the clock, and I think it's, like, second down or something. They, they have a couple downs that they can use, if it's not first down, frankly. So they basically try to do one of those weird series of laterals trick plays just to keep the ball alive and it makes no sense and it and it fails terribly and and I think I I texted some friends and I said you know Brett Belima just decides to end the game like he goes out with a fart basically like they could have easily they could have easily thrown the ball deep downfield okay and then they could have done that stupid play on the next one if they didn't make it. He uh, goes out with a fart. So I mean, he still has a job, surprisingly. But so the the egg bowls at Mississippi State. By all speaking of going okay. out with a fart, Starkville, which is Stark Vegas, baby. Uh, that's that's more intimidating. It's a actually. tough place to play, but they're still not going to cover. Is is it a tough place to play? Nick Saban says everywhere but Vandy and the SEC is a tough place to play. <laughs> It is, man. The cowbells. Yeah, yeah. It's disorienting, you know. Okay, 
does that change my position? No, still being disagreeable. Okay. So I do want to talk about a few rumors that are going around. Let's talk about, about these rumors. coaches. Okay. So this can be our special treat for the week. Mm. Uh, coaching rumors. So we have John Gruden, I guess, being rumored for the Tennessee job. We've talked about that before. It seems weird, but Tennessee fans are really desperate for it, I guess. The one thing that I thought was really surprising is there's some talk of Gus Malzahn leaving Auburn and going to Arkansas. First of all, why would he do that? He's had a lot of success at Auburn. I mean, I know he, he is he from there? Is that what it is? Well, yeah, he coached. He got to start. I mean, he really started to be known for his offense. He was coaching high school football in Arkansas. Um, and then when he left Auburn as offensive coordinator, he actually went to coach at Arkansas State. Mm. So he has ties there. And, you know, I mean, sometimes these decisions are based on, like, family-type stuff and things sure. like that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, he's built something decent at Auburn, but it's also, like, I don't know. The expectations at Auburn and what Alabama's doing with that rivalry is just insane. Okay. Um, so I don't know. I mean, he could stick around, but I've I've seen his name attached to it. It's probably because of the ties that he has to Arkansas. Uh-huh. Um, you know, not because he's like told somebody is seriously considering it. Uh, it can't be helpful going into rivalry week that your name is attached to, <laughs> to leaving and going right. to Arkansas. I don't think he's doing anything to promote that. So right. uh, I think it's just people. Don't Although I mean. You know, it's not. It's probably also not helpful that Nick Saban's name is attached to being the next president. Um, probably his team is like, oh, you know, his mind's probably elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> He's focused on the Oval Office. He, 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 you know, his team's probably like, oh, did you hear this week's episodes of Processing College Football? Nick Saban's running for president yeah, or governor. Exactly. I don't It'll remember be... where we landed. I think it was president, but. Uh, Anyway, okay, but the second part of that rumor is Gus Malzahn goes to Arkansas, and then, with seemingly as much conviction, Jimbo Fisher going to Auburn. Did you hear that? I I did not hear that. What Uh, Do you think that that is even a remote possibility? Sure. Um, That seems crazy to me. Why, Why would you go to... An SEC school. So we've talked about how Nick Saban has basically, I don't know, kind of (laughs) decimated the SEC by uh, setting this impossible standard of being the one to beat. And nobody can reliably live up to that standard. So why would Jimbo Fisher go from a school which is, again, well-resourced, uh, and there aren't those crazy expectations. Now, without a doubt, he's expected to win more than six games in a season. Uh, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. Why would that move ever make sense? It doesn't make sense to me. I think it depends. You know, a lot of it has to do with, uh, I mean, it seems like um, this season, I mean, it's been a really tough season. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, you know, remember when Jimbo Fisher was running off the field and the fan says we like, yeah, right. I don't know we need new coaches or something. Right. He's like, come down here, I'll freaking, I'll whoop you or something stupid. <laughs> yeah, um, and he's like, well, you know, I was just telling the guy that you know, cheer for us. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit different. Um, 
And so I don't know if like behind you never know what's going on behind the scenes uh, relationships with like an athletic director or fans or family. How I mean, just how all that stuff's going. Because sure. um, yeah, I mean, you just you just never know what what that stuff's like. And given the season that has been, uh, it could also be a guy's looking at oh, this is kind of our season to do something with the Andre Francois. Then he got hurt, and the pieces were in place to make a run at a national mm-hmm. title. And it's going to be several more years before I get there, get a fresh start at a program, rebuild from scratch. It'd be a lot easier. You just never know sure. um, what a team's thinking. So, I, I mean, I, I had heard not so much Auburn, but I think Jimbo Fisher, um, well, I'd heard more so attached to Texas A&M, but Jimbo Fisher's sure, also heard coached, that too. coached in the SEC uh, before as an assistant and has a lot of ties and relationships. Um and, and so he went I, to he went to college in Alabama. Yeah, of course. Um, at it's Sanford, at, right? At Sanford University, yeah. maybe. Um, and so I think he, he just got a lot of ties and relationships there, and maybe wants to coach football in SEC. You may think maybe he thinks his offense would work better in the SEC or something. I don't know, but sure. um, so you just never know, kind of what's what's at stake personally for those coaches. It's not merely a professional decision. No. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it, sometimes it's surprising, but, you know, uh, those guys all have their reasons for it. Sure. But it'll, it'll be really interesting to see what happens because the SEC coaching carousel is already spinning. Yeah. And I think we'll see a couple more people lose their jobs maybe and the coaching scene can be completely different. I think that's the one thing. If you were to look at why has the SEC been down, mm-hmm. really you look at the coaches that, that were in the SEC – who, when SEC was just totally dominating, and now you look at the coaches now, it's really the coaching level that's gone down, and therefore the teams have gone mm. down. Um, and so I think the other thing is that you might see SEC teams really go for a big name to turn it around. So the Like Chip Kelly. Yeah, like a Chip Kelly or a Jimbo Fisher or whomever might be available. Bill Clark. Steal somebody, Bill Clark, uh, coach of the year, probably. Um, you know, steal somebody who's not looking to go somewhere if you make them the right offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what ends up going down. But uh, you can better believe in the news. There's going to be some really big offers to big names to bring yeah. SEC football back to what it's been. Yeah, and I guess you know what. Now that you mention it, it makes some sense because I remember a few years back. I don't remember how many exactly, but there were some rumors that, despite all of Nick Saban's success at Alabama, there was some thinking that he might r- run off and and go coach at Texas. Uh, I think that was shut down pretty quickly with I don't know a contract renegotiation or something. Well, yeah, um, and some guys are just looking for a new challenge, you know. Yeah. But- and that's that was a story with Nick Saban. He had never been anywhere for more than five years, I think, or something like that. And, um, and so everybody was like, "Yeah, he'll, he'll leave Bama now because he just wants a new challenge." And I think, uh, luckily for us, he stayed. This looks like it's going to be his final stop. So thank the goodness. Okay, all right. So that's all we have for our last week of the regular season. We thank you for joining us, but we will continue to be back next week talking about all of these. Uh, big championships and reviewing this rivalry week. Uh, we will also talk a little bit about our initial predictions for 
who we thought would be in each of these Power Five conference championships and how that stacks up to reality. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's it for me. Once again, thanks for joining us, and I will talk to you next week, Mark. All right, man. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. See ya.